everyone. So today we've got a special guest on the podcast. We've got the pleasure and the honor of chatting to, I would say, Pacifica royalty, but also one of our favorite drag queens from the Drag Race franchise, and that's Queen Kong from Down Race, our Drag Race Down Under season two. Yes, everyone, say hi. How's it going? going? Thank you for joining us. I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here from Down Race. <laughs> wow. What, 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 what a first great thing. opening. What first a great thing. opening. First thing. Okay. Cool. Shots, shots fired, everyone. Um, you can call me Kevin. No kidding. <laughs> first of all, first um, thanks and um, congratulations on your Logie Award nomination for most oh, popular new talent. The, when I first heard it, I thought it was, you know, uh, Longie Awards. Um, so I thought it was something. <laughs> I thought it was like something from Tangata Pacifica. Yeah, and me then, too. Well, actually, my pub, when, my, when my publicist told me, they were like, you've been nominated for a Loki. And I was like, is that a good thing? I had no idea what the Lokis <laughs> were. You know what I mean? And like, obviously, like for us, it's like the Australian Emmys. And so obviously it's an honor. But still, I was like, I lost. Well, uh, but, uh, but I lost. What about uh, Spanky? Uh, yeah, so shame Spanky. I got the nomination of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, Shows what a breakout personality you were on on that season if you ask me oh thank you well look you know the, the, the edit is always a, an interesting sort of thing and i'm not blaming any edit because i definitely was a struggle bus at the time but you know now i've evolved i'm just the bus <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a compliment in our culture yes. you know they yeah. hire us they scout for us for the rugby which apparently yes. you've been um You've been blessed with their gift as well as performance. But everyone, if you want to go vote for Queen Kong, I'm going to put it in the show notes. You can oh, so you, just click click on the link there. Go vote. I've already voted. Tom, I've used your email. I voted for you as thank well. You. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, you yeah get a VPN as well. So first of all, before yes. we get into it, before we get into it, we're going to play a quick fire game. Okay, we're going to give oh, yes. you two options, <clears throat> and you just have to pick whatever comes first to your mind. Okay, Straight okay, away. okay. Okay, first of all, pies or sausage roll. Pies. <laughs> Gin or vodka? Oh, vodka. Wine or cocktails? Cocktails. Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? Oh, you're killing me. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Beyonce <laughs> or Mariah Carey? Beyonce, yes. Michelle Visage or Reese Nicholson? Oh, you're trying to get me cancelled. Um, <laughs> look, um, Michelle Visage. Sorry, love you, Reese. <laughs> Pikachu or, Char- or Charizard? Pikachu. Shortland Street or Home and Away? Oh, please. That's the easy one. Shortland Street. Home and Away is yeah. trash. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie Minogue or Aradna? Aradna. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Aradna's yes. my sister. And she oh. will bash me if I say Kylie Minogue. So, I, I, Aradna. I, I, yes. Mean Girls or Bridesmaids? Oh, Bridesmaids. Way more funny. Oh, cool. And most importantly, the last one, Tom or Bolo? Oh... This is so biased, and I'm so racist <laughs> for saying this, but Tom. <laughs> okay. Wait, but that's our show. Thank you so much, Queen Kong, for joining us. Um, I'll just see myself. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else? <laughs> Oh, well, okay. Thanks no, a village. Um, need with love. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's great meeting you. Uh, <laughs> first of all, thank you for joining us yes. again. We've wanted to have you on oh. for ages. You, you were definitely one of our favorites. And Absolutely. They, um, Thank you. Was it down race? Down race. Um, down race has been my one of the ones that we'll just put on in the background and just yeah. do it over and over. So before we get started into your season, they've just released mm. Drag Race Down Under season three. Who do you yes. have your eyes? Who do you have your eyes on, or who should we watch out for? Yeah. Giving- oh, I've got. 
Look, I've got my eyes sideways at production for making them do a pirate theme, firstly, because <laughs> Captain Cook was a pirate. Let's not forget. But I don't know. It's tricky because it's like, I think most of these girls, and this is going to sound really shady, most of these girls are kind of like nobodies in our scene. So I'm really okay. excited to see what that's going to mean in terms of um, not having any attachments. You know, pe- people are, like for me, when I got in there, they were like, oh my God, Queen Kong's here. Because they've only ed- ever saw me on on stage or on screen. And so they hadn't seen me in the dressing room struggling with depression and being angry behind the scenes. So yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's kind of set a precedent where they can come in, be who they want to be, and just like not have any expectations put on them. So yeah. I'm watching all of them, to be honest. That Hollywood is Yes, though she's pretty hot. Okay, yeah. we'll keep an eye out for for Hollywood. Definitely. Who do you yeah, want to yeah. see? Is there a drag queen that you think needs to be on the show? Or who do you want to see on one of the next seasons? Oh man, there's so many. Like I think Australia and New Zealand's full of them. You know, like for for me because I come from New Zealand originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see more Pacific, more of the Pacifica queens that are older you know we had Minnie Cooper in our season who's a legend in her own right but in New Zealand I think the difference between New Zealand drag and Australian drag is in New Zealand our drag scene was created by Pacifica and Maori queens and and trans women so we had an Mm. innate understanding of family values where in Australia it was kind of created by you know the lay girls which are all white really and so the you know, the, the things that we've been experiencing the last two seasons around racism or, Absolutely. you know, the conversations around blackface, like yeah. all those things are only conversations now in our generation because, you know, the ones that's, that created the scene didn't have the experience that we have. So I want to see more of the queens from New Zealand that are, you know, the matriarchs of our scene get into that show because they'll probably read RuPaul and Michelle and that would be really entertaining. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I would love to see Buckwheat. Miss Ribena. Oh, Buckwheat's my, that's my, Miss uh, Buckwheat and Tess, those are my two drag moms, you know. Oh, wow. They used to call me Baby Bucky. Yeah, those wow. are my two. Th- yeah, I used to back up dance with them. I, I started going to the clubs and Cindy of Samoa. Those were my three, like, aunties, like, Amazing. from, like, age 14 on K Road. Like, those three women, like, they were the ones that kept us all safe. And I saw Buckwheat many a day run down the street chasing men, <laughs> telling them to <laughs> to piss off for, you know, making us feel unsafe. And so yes. I want to see those queens on because they're fierce, Absolutely. they're hilarious, and yeah. they they know what, what it's about, which is about love, which is what RuPaul's about. So, yeah. yeah. Buckwheat yeah. and Miss Rabina were one of the first, my first introductions on K, on Karanga Happy Road. Um, he is kind of happy. Watching him, and I just remember just seeing this huge force of a woman. I'm <laughs> um, just, just yeah. so much presence and so much power. And I remember being so and shoulders. Yeah, shoulders. Buckwheat was like fully like bodybuilding, like yeah. when I was younger. So literally she'd be like bodybuilding during the week and then come to the, the club Friday, Saturday, wearing a beautiful mermaid fishtail gown, having those big malor shoulders out for everyone wow. to look at. I, just, I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm when it, I can see now your drag because your drag is very like Beyonce with a Valerie Adams um, twist and maybe a Jonah Lomu swagger. And I, I, <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> from Wina and a little bit of um, Tano Umanga as well. <laughs> a little bit of Umanga, so I love that. Well, uh, let's go back to season two, Drag Race Down Under. Mm. Um, I mean, we love that season. What was mm. your experience like, just in general for us? What was your experience on the show? What memories do you have? Of being in it. Oh man, I have so many. I think I think the memories that the biggest thing for me was like I think. Um, my personality type, I'm such an introvert, introverted extrovert. And so I was really conscious of going onto the show and 
knowing that I was going to struggle in, in the way of being seen. And also, I think, you know, naturally as a like Pacific person, we, we, we're used to sort of not downplaying ourselves, but we're really humble. We take a humble approach. And, you know, I, th- I could feel the producers really wanting to me to be this ego or to, I, th- I think when they, they casted me, they were expecting me to bring in this diva because that's what I am on, when I'm on stage. When yeah. I think the reality of what they saw was, you know, I'm just naturally a gentle person and I don't necessarily like to um, give a lot of lip service. I kind of let my work speak for itself. And I think it's really hard to implement, you know, a talent on the TV show like RuPaul's Drag Race when when your skill set is like strategic planning. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I, if, if I can create a three-year plan for you, let me do that and I'll win a maxi <laughs> challenge. But like, how do I do that in this comedy challenge? But I think yeah. naturally I'm funny, but I think during the time period of, of Drag Race, I was going through a lot mentally and I think, um, there was just a lot of weight that I had on my shoulders at the time, but um, all in all, like I, I wouldn't change the journey because the thing about me is I don't make the same mis- mistake twice. So mm. if I ever do get caught to go back in the ring, those bitches better be wait, be, be, better be ready. <laughs> I'm going to be unstoppable. <laughs> oh well, there, there's so much to pick up on there because we 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 certainly noticed that you mentioned that there were certain challenges. It felt like you shone most when you could shine and be queen when you weren't constrained by like scripted comedy and that kind of thing. Is that how it felt? Oh, totally. And I think also like my, my, my sense of humor, like it, I don't know, like lots of the parts that made Rue laugh, they kind of cut out because I think they were scared of, of me being seen in a light that they didn't want to edit me as. I think right. for them, because my, my humor is very dark and I think some of the, even the reads, like I won the reading challenge, but the reads that they showed were not the reads that I went with. Oh, really? <laughs> and they were, yeah, I, I think like some of, because some of the things that I say, I think it was naturally our humor in the islands. It's like, you know, your friends and your family, like it's humor that hurts. <laughs> But you laugh, but you're like, ah, and then you go home and cry about. So, like, um, I think, like, so I think in that regard, like, it was really tricky to to for them to give me this kind of like um, the struggle bus, but also like mm. someone that's really like conflicted with my own self, and then also be really evil in some of my humor towards some of the people, even in Snatch Game, like some of my jokes that Rue laughed at were cut out because I think they would have, would have given me a bad edit or the fans would have come for me online. So we did know yeah, I think it's the time we, we didn't see much of you in the Snatch Game yeah. and you were, you were safe in that episode, weren't you? So it's yeah. interesting to hear that you had some funny, darkly humorous moments in there that didn't make it to the edit. Yeah, it's tricky. And I don't want to blame the editor because I definitely, I think I, I, I struggled a lot more with the human and, and up against the likes of Spanky Jackson and Hannah, who are both just idiots. Like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's hard. It was really difficult to like, to get that kind of humor across when they were just ridiculously funny naturally. So, um, all in all, it was a good experience. And I think the edit was the edit, but I think, you know, moving forward, it's hindsight and seeing yourself on TV, like it does a, a world of change. Like, look at Beverly. Beverly's like leveled up. A million times just in drag alone so yeah, i'm excited i'm excited for the prospect of going back in the future well, on that note what was it like watching yourself back because uh, we just finished watching drag race season 15 and people joked mm. about it they joked about it being the sasha colby meet and greet but we felt like when you were when you walked in the workroom that it was very much very similar energy it was the queen kong meet and greet yeah is that what you experienced 
Oh my God, absolutely. You know, and I, and I think that was from day one walking in and having that kind of pressure put on me, like that made me feel like I, I kind of struggled a lot with it because I think, again, people had only ever seen me perform on stage and I'm a monster on stage. Like yeah, the things yeah. that I do on stage is like, that is such an alter ego. Like it is mm. the things that I do to my body are just ridiculous. But um, that energy is definitely something I channel easily in a performance. But naturally, I'm just not like that all the time and i knew that like you know the and also to outside of drag the thing i used to love about drag was the anonymity being able to do the gig and then take the gig off and then walk out and just look like the security guard <laughs> so now that people now that now that people know what i look like outside and they're like oh queen i hate it like, I, can't, I can't hide so yeah i don't know I, I struggled with with them kind of having expectations on me and just you know, hyping me up because I, I didn't feel like I had any room to fail. And when I did kind of like, you know, flunk some of the challenges, oh, I felt the pressure of people going, oh my God, yeah. she's really not that good. And I'm like, I am. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, of you know, I just had a bad day. <laughs> it, it did come across at times that you you did carry a large weight of expectation go, going into the program, um, not just for yourself, but for your community and your family. Uh, is that how it felt? Yeah, I think like weight was definitely a thing, but I think I was more conscious of like how how much they effed up the first season, yes. especially around yes. the conversations around race. And I think the reason why I put my hand up to go into the ring for season two was because of how poorly they dealt mm. with the conversations around race and also specifically race within Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. You know, I think my experience as a queen of colour you know, who I started my drag career in, in Australia um, was difficult. You know, there were so many queens that, and it is racism, you know, yeah. where, where they were threatened of what I was doing and tried to stop me and even creating a house. You know, I think in New Zealand, we had a ballroom community, which kept lots of the Pacifica kids safe, especially mm -hmm. coming from families that, you know, beat them up like crazy. If you're not a fapa or if you're a mala or if you're, you know, if you're a, a queen, I think, bringing that awareness of, of the chosen family to Australia and the times that I did when I was like one of two people doing things in mainstream spaces, I had a lot of friction from within the, within the, uh, the scene. So I wanted to make sure I was handling that delicately on the season and not accusing anyone, making sure that I was more anti-inflammatory instead of inflammatory, which I think when you're talking about race, it's already automatically in a place where people are looking to poke holes yeah. and feel attacked by words that you're saying. So exactly. there was a lot of pressure for me. Because season one of Down Under, it was marred by a couple of contestants and, and their racist actions. And we, we actually didn't enjoy that the way that the season dealt with those important topics yeah. and they actually neglected to have the conversation. So we actually mm. really enjoyed the moment that you had with Hannah Conda where you, you brought up the comp, you brought up the instances and you actually held space for her to have those mm -hmm. conversations. Um, was that like, what brought about that conversation? Did you just, you know, after asking for a loan, which triggered me, <laughs> <laughs> instant, instant finance is on my back still. That's why I'm not going back to New Zealand. No, no. <laughs> That's why I changed me, me neither. That's why I changed my name. Yeah. I'm Queen. Yeah. It's not Paul. It's Paolo. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, what what about what is that? What made you want to have the conversation? Uh, was that was that like did the producers kind of tell you to go do that, or was that something that you always and knew that you wanted to bring up because of the way season one didn't deal with it at all? 
Yeah, I, I walked into the, like, I think my calling was knowing, seeing how it was dealt with in season one. And it's no one's fault. It really is no one's fault in terms of how they dealt with it. But it, it, there is a responsibility that needs to be held from production. And I'm not talking about RuPaul's Drag Race because obviously they, they, the franchise has been bought by Australia and New Zealand. But I think there's definitely something to be said about an Australian um, production company handling conversations about race and inequity when you only have a white team of producers and storytellers. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. the thing that I, the, the reason why I wanted to get into the ring was because I was aware of this, mm-hmm. you know, I've been in the industry for like over a decade and I've seen how things work. And so when, when the conversation with Hannah Connor came up, basically the way it came about was, um, I think my India is up. Yeah. Well, fuck it. Do me. <laughs> um, I think the, the way that it came up about, about was on Reddit, they were starting to go in on Hannah about the racism past and right. you know people were like speculating and, and exaggerating the things that she had done and I'm not giving her like a get out of free jail card but you know when they said we need to address this you know and they came to me and asked me would you be willing to have this conversation and the thing I said to them was I'm willing to have the conversation but this has to be this has to be dealt with the way that I'm going to deal with it like yeah. no input from you no editing and like the way that it's dealt with needs to be the way it plays out in the edit. Otherwise I'm not wasting my time with this conversation. If you're going yeah. to make a conversation that's nuanced, like race, mm. if you're going to see it through the eyes of your lens, don't even fucking worry about it. And so they, they agreed to me leading the conversation. Um, and also with Hannah being able to like pull myself, as you said, hold space. It wasn't about letting her, um, get out of jail it was just about holding her accountable having her like listen to you know a perspective from you know my experience it's not my community that she you know came for but there was definitely experiences like that that I understand and so having like the audience who are watching see a conversation be had around like a problematic past is an offering to our community of going if you've done something problematic there is a way and a protocol about going about making things right. It's not necessarily always about cancelling. Some things are different, but um, there definitely should be a conversation and it needs to be heard from both sides. So I think that, that was reflected really well in the season, especially that particular conversation and the nuance that went into it. So, we thought it was yeah, that, that, it, it was, was important, yeah, especially yeah. after season one. Yes. We, we and it's a lot it. of responsibility for Rue, you know what I mean? Like, because Rue was, yeah. you know, by that point, the only colored person in that whole production set so yeah. and she's also the, the the face of that you know in, in, in terms of holding someone accountable that's not necessarily like a, a role you should expect of someone like Rue who isn't a part of down under drag doesn't understand yeah. the history that we still face has understanding of her history from the US but you know I think in terms of blackface for Aboriginal community mm-hmm. you know how, how do you bridge a conversation like that with a contestant that is you know, has has not revealed that until it's in front of you. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was really tricky, really nuanced, but I, I did feel a heavy responsibility and I wanted it to be handled delicately, which I think they did. You did. You handled it with such grace. Um, and it, it, you could see the, the way that Hannah responded to the conversation was really positive and we just loved how it went and we really felt that mm. down to you in that moment. We we did wonder sometimes because we, we hear um, about people of colour often talking about how having to constantly educate white people can just be exhausting. Do you ever feel that? Oh, constantly. You know, I think, but I think that's why they call it a, a movement. And I think, mm. you know, the, 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 these conversations are always going to be hard when you're like the first in the door. You know what I mean? I think, you know, when we think about ancestors and we think about how far we've come, you know, 
especially in this queer history as a queer Pacifica person, it's like these conversations are brand new for us. So, yeah. you know, more often than not, we're seeing people be the first in the door, meaning they've got, you know, the brunt of the conversations to be had around, you know, creating an equitable and an equal space, you know. Um, and I think that's what we're, we're seeing now, like in the US, especially here in Australia, and I'm sure where you, where you guys are, we're seeing echoes of those drag bands happening across the world. And I think the thing that's happening is people are used to us being in the closet <laughs> and used to us being quiet. But mm-hmm. these conversations that are coming up around not not only picking apart how they think of us, but also just the conversations that are necessary at the tables that, that we're all safe and held. You know, these conversations are making people want to push us back in the closet. And so... Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I think I always feel like it's it's going to be tiresome and hard. But the more of us doing it, I think the easier it is. Obviously, power in numbers. Absolutely, fantastic. One of my favorite things about your drag look, especially, is that, and I and I mean this, and with the best intentions. Also, keeping in mind that you prefer Tom over me, but um, <laughs> I mean this with love. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, this of love. No, um, your drag reminds me a lot of my my aunties and a lot of um, our Pacifica woman, and there's something so warm about that. And I also really love that when you were talking about bringing your culture to you know to the runway, when you were talking about bringing your mm. culture to drag race, you actually delivered because there has been mm. a queen or queens in the past who who say they're going to represent mm. um the Polynesian culture and then when I watched the series when we were doing the series they never at all once brought it they they mentioned that they're from there but there was no representation there was mm. no also a little bit of education because you want to share your culture there was none of that but I think every week week on week mm. your look of what you represented your fashion everything was based around showing you mm. know a Polynesian excellence. So I want to say thank you for bringing that. No, oh, thank you, you for bringing that. And when we're talking about culture, you know, the Polynesian culture, we do so well in blending the masculine and the feminine. And I wanted to know when it comes to femininity, what was your express? How was it like expressing femininity um, to your family uh, growing up, or especially expressing it in your performing arts? Oh, like and I don't know if you share the same um, experience, but um, definitely there was no expression of femininity. You know, I think the, the the hardest thing about you know knowing that you were different or knowing that I I didn't even identify as fafa. You know, my aunties would look at me like I was a fafa, but you know, I knew that I was a boy. But I just had this kind of flair that was just really inherently. It wasn't even just feminine. It was more like. Um, maternal like i've always had this like kind of motherly nature to myself and i think um growing up there was always really certain people i would be safe with and definitely the woman in my family you know when i was in the kitchen with my aunties and my mum and my nana and the, mm-hmm. my cousins you know laughing and cooking and eating you know it was always a time where i could just be whatever i wanted to be whereas when, when there were times where you have to go outside and be out with the men <laughs> when they're out the back you know drinking cover or like doing all that kind of shit it's just like that's when I could really feel like a hardening or like a, you know, just a, a version of myself that never felt like um, reality. It was just something that I would, like a shape that I would put on. I was a, I've always been a massive shapeshifter and some of those shapes were just really uncomfortable. And so the elder, the older that I got, the more I was aware of, you know, what was important to me and also, yeah, what I wanted to see, you know, I've got a niece, I've got a niece and three nephews now who are like under the ages of six and, 
the last thing that me and my siblings are trying to do is raise them in the ways that we were raised. We're trying to, you know, encourage them to, you know, be open to all kinds of things and, you know, just um, raising them with love, really, because I felt like there was love where we were from was just really hard. You know, hardship and struggle was the thing. You know, we were raised very religious and my family particularly were Jehovah's Witnesses. So we were, we were like door knocking on Saturday mornings. Like, yeah, we were those motherfuckers. Like, we'd rock <laughs> wow. up to your house and like, book you up on, on, at early in the morning on Saturday. Like, do you have time to talk about Jesus Christ? And you know what I mean? The, Come on, the, watchtower. <laughs> the watchtower, period. You know what I mean? Like, all of those things were really tricky because there were so many things around that was influencing me that it was just like, just not the tea. And, and then living in South Auckland, which is like, obviously, you know, it's just a microcosm. You're staying in a real low socioeconomic background, low decile schooling, you know, that's limited in terms of what the stars look like from where you are. And when your family bubble is literally like within the suburb, you're going, I'm never going to get out of here. What am I going to do? I'm gay. Like, I want to be a woman. Like, you know, I don't know what I want to be, but I don't want to be here. So, and then also trying to figure out ways when you're an adult to honor that and then not be ashamed because that's where the shame comes from, the guilt, you know. And when Rue talked to me about shame, like, I literally felt this thing in my chest just unlock and I was just like, yeah, we just carry, we carry lots, you know, when you go through stuff like that. And it's hard to have those conversations with your family because we just don't, you know, we don't unpack. <laughs> I'd have a conversation with my mum about some of that stuff and I get a hiding. So I'm like, <laughs> peace. <laughs> Move was on. There, was there some, did you carry any shame when you started doing drag and sh- did you hide it from the family? Like how did that oh, yeah. develop? Yeah, definitely. Like, like I, th- I think, oh my God, for myself, I remember the first time I did drag, it was like this weird, this weird situation. Like I looked like, my dad in a wig I looked hideous but I felt so beautiful like it was so weird I felt like I was meeting myself for the first time Wow. It was for so, so many years like I played rugby I was a contemporary dance artist and you know even in, in those companies like that are in the, within the arts like I was still very much like presenting very masculine you know and there's a side of me that is that way but there's there's also uh, the the vast majority of myself that is just a big fucking queen that's why my name is Queen Kong like, you know what I mean so and so, like, I think the first time I did drag, like, I felt like I met myself. And then I think naturally that kind of shame to, was just sort of lent to the side of my family that I knew wouldn't accept it. So, you know, Queen Kong was only for those that were, like, my support base. And then the rest of them I just just ignored and pretended I didn't do it <laughs> until Drag Race. Yeah, I love that. It really sounds like kind of becoming Queen Kong has been such a, a powerful a powerful experience for you that's allowed you to express this femininity in such a like fierce and open way in a way that mm. wasn't permitted when you were younger. Absolutely. No, definitely. I think um, it's got the energy. Like I think it's, it's so easy to, I think the thing about drag is that's beautiful is there's like a degree of escapism mm. that I've always loved about it. And I think it takes you just out, uh, just, just outside of yourself far enough mm. to like be able to, um, exercise all the best parts of your personality and for me i think you know when, when you're naturally introverted and you sort of you are used to like thinking about the weight of things so naturally i'm that kind of a person you know i'm the friend that you come to when you need something when you when you need to dump something on or you need solutions or you need right. advice like if you want a fun friend then you go to spanky <laughs> go to spanky and go to hannah but you come to me when shit's pulling apart and i'll help you like duct tape it together and then send you on your way to make sure that you go and win but um and yeah i, I, I think that maternal yeah yeah, yeah. Up, yeah 
No, totally. But like, uh, like I think drag was was able to like show me what it, what it was about myself that was like all the excellent things, and I think mm. it just always looked feminine. Like the energy was always divine feminine, and that was where my strength was. Like the um, being able to negotiate with people, being able to hear people, my emotional body and my emotional awareness. Those were the things that were strong. Whereas I always thought those were weakness when I was growing up. One of the strengths, sorry, Tom. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's also to you. Apparently, why am I here? I, no, I just wanted to say, kind of, like, just, it came across him as really apparent throughout the show, kind of like your diplomacy, yep. your calm demeanor, your ability to hold nuanced conversations. That was clearly a strength that you have. But one of your strengths you. that, that is very apparent is that you are a dynamic performer. Mm. Every time you would perform, I would, you know, I would sit here and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like the way that you move, everything mm. just makes sense with you. And like, I remember when, um, when they were teaching dance, they were saying the best way to know is if you could take a photo at any time of the moment that you're always on and that you're mm -hmm. not caught in transition and you're just, you're just picture perfect with your performances. Oh, thank you. Boo. You're one of, you're one of the drag queens that we had all like when they released the season, I think you were the only name I'd known. Mm. I, I didn't know. Wow. I, I just, you'd always pop up on my feed somehow. Oh, I knew Spanky. Spanky. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> When it comes to the yeah, oh yeah, Sorry, oh yeah, here. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're still here, Tom. I'm still here. Sorry, I could get, I could go get myself a drink. It's fine. No, no, no. <laughs> um, you were part of Black Grace. Is this true? Mm. Yes, boo. Oh my god. That uh, Tom, I don't, I don't know if anyone knows this. It is, I, I would say, one of the best contemporary dance companies. I saw shows when I was younger. Um, I, I knew. This is a long time, but I remember knowing someone in there who um mm. I just looked looked up to, but you had to be pretty who? good. Um I don't know. Oh yeah. The, the the owner was uh, was the last Ikinasio? Oh no, Neo Iremia. Uh, uh, is that so so I I knew a lot of people, but I also knew that it was really, really hard. And when I saw the style of dancing in it, I just at that time in my life when I was younger, I didn't understand it, but I was was really powerful how did mm. how, were you, how did you get into to dance oh man so like you know i think naturally i've always been a performer since like day dot you know i think my nana always taught me and my sister our traditional dancing first and so you know i always wanted to learn the siva like that was the thing that i always wanted to do because my, my nana taught it taught my sister how to do that taught it um on down race um taught my sister how to do the siva from when she was like three you know and so i, I remember watching this and like always feeling really connected to like movement, like from such a young age and music, like music was always my thing. And so um, in high school, like basically the year when I was 16, my mom was like, one week my mom came home and decided to pick me and my sister up from school and said, we're leaving your father. Long story to that, we're leaving your father, we're moving out. Um, we left the church that weekend as well. And the week after I'd seen that Black Race was like auditioning for their youth company. And up until from zero to 16, anything outside of the church was known as worldly. So you couldn't do anything. I remember going, I'm going to go to that youth. I've never, never auditioned for a dance company before. I don't know what that's like, but the, I think it was like maybe five weeks before my dance teacher at school and then I took us to watch Black Race at Monaco uh, in Monaco, um, at the event center. And I went, I'm going to be in that company. I'm going to, I see it. That's, that's what I want to be. Cause yeah. it was, the, it's, it's always been the, the only Pacifica, like Pacific contemporary dance company. It's the leading New Zealand contemporary dance company. Absolutely. And so 
the week. So I had my eye on them. And I was just like seeing what they were doing. And I saw that they were auditioning for a youth company. And so I went to the the weekend after auditioned, got into the youth company. Then I did a production with them after three months. And then they offered me a full-time role. And I think I was, I was the youngest ever dancer that they hired in that company. So I joined them when I was 16. The second youngest was like 28 and the eldest was 42. And the first thing that I did with them was like a three month tour to through Europe. And that was like the first time I'd ever been away from my mum. Like and my my career as an artist started basically that week after my mum left my father and I just went to the arts and just started. <laughs> Sounds like such a huge time of like transition and kind of right realization for you. Oh yeah, you know I think I've always been this kind of way like I'm always one with timing. Like I know when things are aligned and I know when things aren't aligned. And I think for me, with even the fact that Black Grace came into my atmosphere, that was something that was never even a possibility. Like you would never think contemporary dance or Pacific Islander. Because for me, when I told my mom about it, she was like, are you sure? <laughs> They're wearing tights. Look at you. You're like, look at your fires. Oh my God, you're gonna, people are going to laugh at you. And so I don't know. Like I, I just... There was something about it that I was interested in. I really enjoyed the process of training in the youth company. And then I was with that company for about five years full time and then went on to have like a long contemporary dance career. I was the first Pacific person to be employed with Australian Dance Theatre in Australia, which is the eldest contemporary dance company here. I was there for about seven years as their principal dancer. And then, yeah, I just kind of had a long career of contemporary arts based on, you know, just a whim of going, I want to do that. (laughs) Do it. That's so amazing because I remember a lot of people trying to get in in my school that I so I went to James Cook, um, and, and um, I remember people trying to get into there and they had been doing dance for a while and you just left the church and then, you, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. You've obviously got a knack for movement. You've just got a knack for dance. Oh, totally. And also just because like, I, was, I was super athletic because I played sports growing up and I think that company has always been known for sheer athleticism and physicality. Oh, and I know because literally, because people would audition, like you remember, oh, but people that would, people would audition, I think in the time that I was there, there'd be like at least 100 to 200 people a week auditioning, coming in in the morning to audition with the company and after maybe like a day, never come back. <laughs> yeah, it would literally was- not be able to handle it. I mean, also this one of our favorite lip syncs. So let's be honest. Oh yeah, I know what you're gonna say. It was you against Beverly Cools, the lip oh. sync that you had against <laughs> Quick Converse versus Beverly Cools. We loved that lip sync. The energy oh, was just outrageous. You know what? If you were to show me any lip sync and told me that if if someone lost, they would die because you know they're lip sync for their life, I would believe you. You're I would believe that up. one of you were gonna die after this because the totally. way that you guys you guys set it all on the table. RuPaul had her revolver drawn. Well, I did. <laughs> they have a gun pointed, waiting for the song to finish. But I, yeah, I'm she goes go. Yeah, <laughs> go lip sync for your life. But I really enjoyed that. <laughs> When it comes to lip syncing, how do you feel? Well, is the experience different when you have to lip sync for your life as opposed to when you dance on stage? Um, as a oh, totally. <laughs> well, you know the thing is, it's like, like oh, that that lip sync with with Bibli was manic, and for the sheer reason that I went, all right, you want to be the lip sync assassin? Watch this, motherfucker! <laughs> oh my shit! Absolutely. But like, um. You talk shit, you get hit. But like, um, the thing is, like for me, <laughs> I, I just went uh, lip syncing on RuPaul's Drag Race. 
I feel like in the American seasons, I feel like I would love that format a lot more because mm. the music choices are just so much better. Um, whereas on my season, you know, that's other thing. That's why we need more like people of color inside the editing room so that they have better fucking song choices. Because all the all the songs that I had to like lip sync to, I was like, you're gonna make me look like I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm the best in this room at what I do. So like, yeah. this is ridiculous. And so I didn't particularly like lip syncing for my life in, in that format because mm. I feel like the songs that I got dealt with were just, even though one of them was a RuPaul song, like even that was a default because I'd been complaining backstage, going, "Why are all the songs from Kylie Minogue? <laughs> I never perform Kylie Minogue. This is racism." <laughs> like, I like, at least get Pauline. I was like, get Pauline or fucking Jessica Malboy or like. Oh my gosh, Dane Kelly to Kanawa. I would love to yeah. do that. <laughs> um, just also yeah. in terms of performance, um, Babs as a as a girl group is one of my favorite ever girl group presentations <laughs> across any franchise. There was just something so fantastic about the chemistry that the three of you had. Like in some in some girl group challenges, you see like separate kind of great performers, but they don't come together very well. But the three of you, it was like it's like you've been friends for decades and you were up there performing together. Did did what was that experience like for you? Oh look, I think the, the thing is like I I've always like I, I didn't know Spanky before and she didn't know me before we got into the competition. Mm. But like we come from the same drag family. Like our our drag mothers and sisters are the same. Like yeah. she comes in the same like group of, of queens like Cola, Collagen, Arabina, Venus um Trap, uh Bertha, um all of these big Pacific Island Māori queens. And so when we met each other, I was like we're literally like, I can tell that we're, we're like, our essence is the same. Like we, we have the same values, you know? And, and so, and Hannah is someone that I've always loved and respected for years. Like, cause I'd watched her absolutely obliterate the scene in Sydney for yeah. decades. And so we, we had, and I think this is a thing that doesn't necessarily always translate or doesn't always happen on drag race is we had like a, a respect for each other, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of superseded anything to do with the competition. And so regardless of like who won or, any of it like we still love and respected each other whereas i feel like that respect thing and the younger generations doesn't necessarily hold and i'm really interested to see in season three because lots of them are like oh they're my sisters and it's funny when they say sisterhood but none of them understand what sisterhood is because they don't respect each other um that was the biggest thing that we had that we had respect for each other and that challenge really solidified our bond and then we just went all right the rest of these bitches have to go one by yes. one <laughs> that one go <laughs> that one <laughs> and then the finale was actually a babs reunion <laughs> literally we felt yeah. bad for the producers because they were like we need some drama we need like we need <laughs> you know this we need that you know we, we, by that point we had already made it and we really didn't care who won and i think we just wanted to finish it strong have a really good performance in our challenge and then <clears throat> deliver a really strong runway you know and those questions and which we did like by that point we were just yeah, we were over the moon. None, none of us were worried by that point. And then we got really lit in the rap party. Like, so much I fun. I bet. <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about Babs is that, I think, I don't know if that was your first time performing the three of you, but it was just really clean. Mm. It was just really clean. Like, you, it's not something that you that we're used to seeing on Drag Race at all. And there's always someone mm. messing up. There's always there's always someone. There's always editing to show or to hide someone. But whenever it was, it was just clean from beginning mm. to end. And you say that Spanky is one of your sisters, and Tom. Tom wants to know why did you let her rhyme here with here <laughs> in her verse <laughs> as a sister? Why? Why? Oh, look! 
That's the same reason that we literally wear that here. <laughs> what the sort of um, the mystic mag bob she had on? Oh yeah. my god! But no, that was that was actually the funniest because like we did the, the first take. Spanky wore the she she wore the bang, and yeah. then after it, like her whole forehead, including her brows, were gone, and she looked at us, and I went. Because <laughs> she thought that we thought we were going to run it, go backstage, yeah. touch up the other group would come, and then we run again. No, yeah. they were like, "No, you're back on in five minutes." And Spanky right. was like, "What?" She was like, "What?" <laughs> she had like no brows, nothing. And so, like, yeah, look, that that line was hilarious. But also, like, when Spanky sang, like, RuPaul was just like beside herself. She was like, "Oh my god, Spanky can sing. She can, because she can really sing. Like that girl That's was amazing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, a strong performance, sharp lip syncer. Yeah. There was, there was after your first <clears throat> lip sync against Aubrey Have, you were. There's a lot of self talk that you had. Mm. You're very hard on yourself. Um, mm. The way that you spoke to yourself, you know, I was embarrassed. I really hated myself in the moment. It, it really mm. shows that you're you're such a perfectionist of. Yeah. I think just performing because I think that's that's where you feel your power is. Um, mm. What is it? What, what did it feel like? How did it feel like going through there and having that, having to watch that, watch the way that? You oh, like yourself? I don't know because I'm so used to like I'm, I'm so used to that way of being, and I think I'm definitely like I'm, I'm I am very very hard on myself. I think it's kind of like a testament to how far I've come. But I think naturally, like I, I find it difficult to to celebrate certain things. So, so I think after watching the season, I think I've definitely you know implemented into my process to be able to like take in a moment when I achieve something mm -hmm. rather than just go great done it next thing which is a what I normally have been doing of going achieve really high and just continue mm -hmm. and so I think it was it, was, it was, wasn't hard to watch it back because because I I know that I'm that way but I think it was really important to reflect on and to just look at the process and go actually you know I, I deserve to you know be proud of myself in certain moments I think that particular lip sync the second the second song was a bit tricky because I hated the song. And then I also just didn't feel like I belonged in the bottom. <laughs> and I definitely didn't belong in the bottom. What I found out was that I was put in the bottom because the queen that they were going to put in the bottom would have been sent home and they couldn't have that. So the riggery of it all. <laughs> oh, which lip sync are we talking about there, Queen? Just so we should. The one against Aubrey. The second Ray. episode. Yeah, against right. Aubrey. So poor Aubrey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So obviously it, it sounds like you're reticent to spill the tea of who was supposed to be in the bottom there oh look go back to the challenge yeah, and um okay. definitely go back to the challenge and look at the episode because yeah. the thing is like i was actually i did not deserve to be in the bottom mm -hmm. um the edit they gave it obviously made it look that way but look at the queen that's quiet and then look at the queen okay. that's quiet and that didn't okay. get as much airtime. Um, okay. i think i know who you mean but i'm gonna give it a little rewatch afterwards but, um, fan favorite <laughs> it's wonderful to hear how you've learned from that process though queen because it sounds like you you know you you're very very aware that you're hard on yourself and you've learned to show yourself more compassion and to celebrate your moments of success more because we know that perfectionism can be such a double-edged sword can't it it's something that can drive you and drive you to succeed and clearly it's it you know it's given you that that fuel if you like but the the other side of being a perfectionist is when you don't meet your own high standards it can be devastating but it sounds like you've really learned from that over time and you're kinder to yourself yeah i think i think that that, that, that is definitely exactly what it was i think mm. especially by the end of the season i think watching it back and then seeing how things played out and also knowing you know what i know now i think 
Yeah, it's given me a lot to, to not only work on, but just to um, reflect on. And and also, and it's given like lots of people around me the understanding of what I am and what I actually need. And, you know, I think yeah. lots of people rely on me a lot, and especially within the scene. I think people, you know, because I am a leader naturally, but, yeah. you know, the style of leadership that I like to sort of implement is a leadership that means that there are a group of people that, you know, hold each other up because I don't think it's necessary or, or also possible for one person to hold the roof up over everybody. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think it's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. So Sorry, I completely interrupted you. There. Oh, no, you're, you're, no, but I was just, I remember you saying that um, your style is very lateral leadership. So you love collaboration. Mm, love collaboration. And I also love, um, empowering other people to be you know directors in their own lane you know i think it's important i don't know everything and i think you know this hierarchical way of working has never been flattering for anyone like if you look at any political system any you know institution all of the things are flawed because you know we're relying on one person to make the decisions and yes it is quicker to make decisions but it's not necessarily the best decision (laughs) you know there's always a flaw and then something always falls down and then that person gets reprimanded and thrown out so it's like Surely there's a better way of working than the way that we're doing things, you know, because definitely within the arts, you know, the arts is a, as an easy example, we can go, uh, hierarchy isn't, doesn't, shouldn't work in this format because I might be an amazing drag queen, but like my skill set is dance choreography. I can do other things great, but there's definitely other queens that could do comedy better than me, that can do fashion better than me. And if we're working together, like as leaders, like the work could be a lot more rich. So, I don't know, it's just my own kind of hippie mindset of what I think anyway. <laughs> no, I think that's fantastic because I think it also shows, you know, despite your amazing skill set, Queen, you're very humble. You know, you're mm. very able. I think if, 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 if I think people struggle, when people struggle to collaborate and to delegate to people who do things well, I think it's ego. Um, uh, but clearly you don't suffer from that. It, it's it, There's a humbleness to you that allows you to draw the best out of other people to create an amazing, you know, show or product. I think that grounding comes definitely from a family, especially a Pacific family. You know, every time I walk through my door, oh my gosh, you know, my mom doesn't care how many TV shows I've been on, how many, how much press <laughs> I'm doing. You know, it's straight through the door, it's dishes, you know, or, you know, or changing <laughs> nappies. You know what I mean? It's like, which I, which I appreciate. It keeps your head small and also just remembers what, like, makes me remember why I do it. You know, yeah. it's not about fame. It's not about, well, it is about money, but it's not about fame. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when it comes to conflict, the only real conflict that we saw on the show was between mm. you and Beverly. Mm. And then, and I think they kind of, I don't know where it um, came from, but I think it was around mm. the topic of performance. And I think someone challenging mm. challenging your performance space or someone challenging you and what you feel you're strong in. I, I mean, I can understand that as a performer, you want to protect, you know, w- what is your power. Mm. There were some things that happened in that interaction that I think I want to explore. And it, was, it mm-hmm. wasn't the way that um, she came for you know, I'm the lip-sync assassin, it was the, I feel, sudden attack on a character that kind of took it to a different level. So instead of saying, I'm a bit of dancer or you're dancing shit or whatever, it was, oh, you're no longer maternal. Oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know you to be like that. this. And it's certain words that can trigger me as a person of color is that when you like for example if tom was to say certain things to me like that it's quite dangerous um Mm. because it's almost it's almost like a vixen versus aquaria moment where you don't realize the power of your words Mm. and how you're making everyone perceive our interaction now Mm. 
So the way that you went through that, do you know how? Do you remember how you felt and the, the oh, way yeah. you kind of wanted to resolve that? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I wanted to throw my gender at her from across the room. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is with Beverly, and you know, I think like we we like she is my sister, well, my little sister. Um, but she she is like I think we we both. I don't even want to say that I've grown because I I am grown. I've been around that conversation. You know, as I said, you know, in the Australian scene, I've been around many a uh, queen that have had that same conversation with me of and where they antagonize and antagonize and antagonize. And then when they reach a line and then you respond. And I did respond, I didn't react. You know, go back through the tapes, episode two, she's like, um, there was always little and there were digs, and I never took them seriously because I could shut her down really quickly. But um it was when the conversation switched from shade to you're attacking me or the victim versus the thing. And that what you, exactly what you just said, where I had to really like hold it to account, see what was happening, try not to explode because I was furious that she would even go there. Cause mm. I didn't come and I didn't sign up to the show to be your mom. <laughs> and also I'm a Pacific Island mom. <laughs> yeah. I, this I, is will, love. I, I will love you down. Yeah. This is <laughs> love. I will love you down, but this is tough love. Like don't you fucking, you know, like I, I just got in, in that moment, it, it was like a clash of a generation and also a clash of cultures. Mm. And I definitely felt that from, I don't even want to say the fans from Beverly's fans, all mm. five of them. I felt them come from me. <laughs> <laughs> And their lack of understanding of what was going on because they they themselves are that way of going, no, but you're a bully. And they can even, like, you can take it outside of colour, even as a stature thing, like the size of me against the size of her. I'm, I'm like, girl, like, if, you, if you're going to come to the table, bring food. Like, make sure if you're going <laughs> to knock on my door, make sure you were invited. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming for you. I'm not attacking you. But if you're going to question my character and then, you know, make me the person that's attacking you when you've been sitting here. It was just for me during that conversation where she was like, no, 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 no. You come here now. <laughs> and the thing is, our studio is tiny. And so it looks like she was on the other side of the room. She was like here. And if you're going to do this to me, <laughs> listen, <laughs> back up and count to 10. But um, yeah, it was tricky. It was, it was really tricky in that moment to not, to, to, to listen to her, what she was saying and to, and to actually um, hold space for the things that she was saying because I felt like she was acting out and being a real brat in that moment. And so I responded the way that I responded and I, no, I hold fast to how I how handled things because we did resolve it the next day. Well, I resolved it the next day. Absolutely, um, you you responded yeah. with calmness and love again uh, the next day, mm. and it was you who brought that to the table to bring the resolution. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it kind of made me think, you know, should this responsibility always fall to Queen to kind of oh like be God. the peacemaker when you've been antagonized? But it, it was it was a good outcome in the end. And you could tell that you came back together as sisters. Because mm. that was the thing, too, because it just came out of the blue. And I think and also, too, because we because it is a TV show and they kind of rely on those those things to like fill, you know, the quota of drama, I think. The next day, I did not want to come in and apologize realistically because I was still mad at her about what she was doing. You know, the conversation I didn't appreciate because rather than it being about the competition, she was like picking, trying to pick at my personality where she didn't do that to anyone. Well, she did do that to others, but she did it behind their back, you know, in the confessionals. And so for me, like having to 
go through what I was going through already mentally and then having to like have that layer of like her bullshit on top of my own bullshit um, in order for me to go home. Like I literally went home and I heavily considered leaving that day. I was actually like, really? I don't think this is good for me. Like I, cause wow. just knowing how the conversation was going to go and also already understanding that people were already inherently going to be on Beverly's side because that's been my experience, generally speaking, with the white fandom, which is very toxic. Um, incredibly. I was just like, oh my god, this is exactly what I did not want to be a part of, and now I'm being, you know, villainized as like the the, the aggressor <laughs> when I'm not. <laughs> just holding a boundary and being very clear about where my line is. And I'm, if I was aggressive, like she, there's definitely a, a harsher version of myself that has been on Drag Race. You know, she's lucky she didn't get a Candy Muse or like a that kind of a queen that is, <laughs> is you know, very equipped with the gathering of a younger queen. So, sure yeah. would have loved it if you did. I'm oh, so they were sure waiting, they're honestly. Like, they're, they're like, keep oh. the camera on, queen. Yeah. On, queen. <laughs> I know, you could see my nostrils flaring and the fucking steam coming out of every freaking harvest. And I'm like, I just want to apologize and lead with love. And then I'm looking and staring holes into the ceiling. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that the show, um, because well, we talked with many, uh, we've, done, we've interviewed Minnie Cooper, we yeah. love her, and um, she's, she's always talked about that the show was really good with their mental health provision, how they looked after the queens. Did you feel the same way? Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think, you know, for me, I think I was definitely conscious that, like, it's a, I just didn't really trust any of the things, to be honest, because I didn't know if I was talking to someone, if they were going to relay it to the producers and it was going to be used against me. Be used against me. So not not saying that that's what happened, but I think my own, like, I, I was just conscious of the fact that, you know, we've been taken out of our own world, away from, like, our people that hold us up and keep us safe and just needing to, like, rely on my own sort of way through things and just trying to remember what was more important especially in that moment with beverly i was just like remember why you're here remember why you're here remember why you're here don't quit don't quit don't quit. Don't let this be the end of it so i don't know like they, they definitely offer things for sure but again for me it's like when they haven't had any pacific or brown people or black people in the, in the room i just don't necessarily trust the process of what that looks like in terms yeah. of the conversation especially when the conversation is around race or like that conversation around now i'm being accused of being the bully like this is now going to be very like harmful for me because people are going to believe Beverly because now Beverly's changing the the narrative and making me look like I'm the one that's coming for her when she's been poking at me since day one like you know what I mean so yeah. I don't know like I, I think they offer as much as they can but realistically you just need to have your own mechanisms that keep you safe especially in a space like that it's a reality tv show yeah of course it, it sounds to me, though, that the, the show could use that feedback from you, Queen, about kind of supporting Pacific Island and other people of colour oh, better on the show. Sure. Cause- I think they've definitely, this season, they've, they've definitely implemented, uh, there was there was a couple more writers and, and people on the team, the production team that are of our experience. So I think our voice is definitely more present, you know, in the edit and also around well we look at the cast there's about 70 percent poc you know what i mean yes um yeah, yeah, yeah. for season three which is amazing to see um yeah. and so my hope is that you know those queens don't have to necessarily well i know that they won't have to deal with that kind of a situation being you know seven of them <laughs> having yeah. to be one person talking about the conversation always like oh it's about race queen come over here or like oh <laughs> what do you think about this queen you know what i mean yeah. i'm like oh i just want to win like <laughs> can we have a conversation around winning <laughs> about being funny like instead of being the one that's always in depression and heavy 
we did notice more diversity in the season three cast and we were really happy to see that and mm, hopefully too. it's a sign that that the production of down, drag race down <laughs> down under what do we call it <laughs> down race. drag down drag down down race <laughs> down race yeah. um is is well, that on board. <laughs> i'm just here that you know that's what i just wanted to be just want to educate everyone okay <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> you won't let that from the down race <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> uh, so all in all do you feel that the show wanted to showcase the best of queen kong Oh, for sure. No, like I think right. I, I, I definitely, you know, think that they did, did me well. You know, I'm not yeah. upset about, um, yeah, I'm not definitely not upset with how they edited me. I think it was very justified and very, but yeah, the last episode I was a little bit upset with, and I had this conversation with the main producer because everyone knows me to be an eloquent, eloquent speaker. Yeah. And in those answers, like in the last, I really knew what my answers were going to be. And they completely cut every single bit of meat out of all my answers, which I understand because if, if they, if they kept the answers, then they would have had to give me the crown and it right. makes sense that they, you know, trim the fat so that, you know, it gave Spanky a higher light of what she said, but we literally left that like RuPaul said, all hail Queen Kong. Um, oh. We left that day, and Hannah Conda and Spanky looked at me and went, "It's yours." <laughs> and I left there going, <laughs> regardless of whether that's true or not, I just felt so proud of myself of going through the way that I went, yeah, being super humble, struggling, struggling, and then hitting a point where I left there feeling so proud of myself. And so I just wanted to see that reflected in that last episode, and I wasn't particularly happy with the final edit of that but it is what it is i know what happened yeah. Rue knew what happened the girls knew what happened <laughs> i'm sorry to hear that was that the moment on the runway or was it the um the like tic-tac lunch with rupaul yeah a bit of both oh, like right, a bit okay. of both they kind of like um I, like I, I've always been like really articulate about how I speak because I, I do uh, like I, I have a lot of purpose and I know what my purpose is and so yeah I, I was just a, a little bit frustrated that the answers kind of sounded a bit vapid you know they did sound really like because mm. I put a lot of thought into the especially the question like when Rue asked me why I deserve to win like yeah. And I can say this down because I, I guess the NDA is done, but also I don't care. <laughs> I have my own fucking platform. I'll say what I fucking want. But, um, you know, I spoke about, I just spoke about the thing about, you know, the future of, of drag should be about leadership, you know, because yeah. it, it does need to be about leadership because, you know, we see so many examples of what, of bad leadership across the world and the mm. repercussions on us and on, on all people, especially within the queer community. You know, I spoke about the fact that, um, my journey is really reflective of most people within our queer community and also the wider community where people where you're never going to be physically, mentally, spiritually, um, emotionally in complete alignment to go for your dreams. The reality is you do have to just get up sometimes and work with what you have and make it, make it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was just a, a lot of thought that I, I had put into rounding off my journey and finishing mm -hmm. it in a place where I felt proud of myself. So yeah, I was a little bit disappointed when that didn't come come full swing, but it is what it is. It was a year ago. I wish we'd heard that on on the main stage there, but like, just to, it's it's great to hear that overall you were mm. you were happy with with your portrayal. Mm. May I ask, was there anybody whose portrayal you were very surprised by, either in a positive or negative way, on your season? Um, 
Actually, yeah, I think I, I was I was actually quite shocked at how Hanaconda was edited. Really? Um, like, yeah, they kind of like I think similar to me with that last episode and some of the other bits as well. Um, obviously, because we're the top three and like Spanky was the winner, and this is not taking away from any of her shine. She deserved to win for the time that it was. Um, but Anaconda is such a dickhead and such an idiot, like in the best <laughs> way possible. Like she is one of the funniest per- like people I think I know on the planet. And she literally, you could just like leave her in a room and she will entertain people for mm. hours. Um, and I was really upset that lots of her storyline was kind of cut and lots of her stories were cut because they kind of gave her like a she. They made her look like a perfect robot. That's <laughs> you know what it. I mean? That was the Reddit, definitely. They gave mm. her the almost Courtney Actish, um, mm. you know, polished drag robot. When you could tell there was so much more heart behind her, oh. um, and, and she gave it. You know, yeah, she definitely yeah. gave it. Like she gave stories about you know what she had been through. She, um, yeah, she gave everything. We all gave everything, and I think that's the thing about a reality TV show. You just you are at liberty of what the edit will be and what the narrative they're pushing is. So mm. I think it was really interesting for us to go through and i i did feel for hannah because i know it was really hard for her watching it back knowing what she gave going Mm. oh my god they just completely looked over me in every single bit like she didn't even get a Mm. i don't think she got a um a jaffa in the jaffa lunch which was when we she knew she wasn't obviously a contender (laughs) when did you know when did you know you you weren't gonna win when i wasn't offered a jaffa oh bless her uh... (laughs) I just knew I just sorry, I didn't want to wear my finale gown. I just wanted to leave. Yeah, but hopefully, we'll get to no, but, yeah. Oh, you will. You'll definitely. I think. We, we well, she's doing. There's a rumor that she's going to be in. That we might be seeing her again on our screen soon. We're not asking you to divulge yeah. anything oh. around that. Yes. Yeah, so okay. don't say oh, anything. Yeah. yeah. I would love oh yeah. Queen. She is. She, she's going to be on border security in Australia. Because um, <laughs> yeah, when we came back from the US, she forgot that she like smuggled in one of those little weed gummies, and so they they, they arrested her at the airport. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But so just on that, Queen, would you yes. consider coming back for a versus the world season, an all stars season? Would you, would you consider totally. that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I feel like I feel unstoppable now. And I also know, um, I think like I know myself a lot more um, than I did back then. And I think I understand RuPaul's Drag Race better now. Yes. <laughs> so I would definitely do it. Because I did a little thing on the Instagram um, where, because I'd heard about the announcement for Global All Stars, and I was just choosing mm. sort of queens from every branch of the franchise, as was then. And you were both of our number one pick. Oh. Obviously, we love Spanky, and she was such a worthy mm. winner of the crown. But we'd love to see you take an international crown because you're such an amazing ambassador and representative for your community. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Boo. Appreciate that. Absolutely, listening and put me on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely, all of that. Um, let's just because we're coming to the end. Uh, we've been talking longer than I should have been. Um, but um, in terms of your looks and your looks, what was your favorite look? Okay, could we actually? What was everyone's favorite looks? What was your favorite look from your season? And we'll tell you mm. ours. I'll go first. <laughs> I'll go first. If, if I may, if I may. Um, thank you. <laughs> Um, my my favorite look that you did was it's a toss between your red Takar outfit. Mm-hmm. It was just so intricate, and the embellishments were just so gorgeous. And the the bug outfit, yes, the oh yes, so so that that moth yeah. one. Was it Pedro? Is who's the designer? There was a, a, a paper drag spot? designer who who inspired. Yes, yeah. it was Pedro. Yeah. So it was it was the toss up between those two. I might maybe it's the the Takar. No, no, no. It's the the bug on. The bug. I love it. Yeah. 
What was your favorite queen before I go with mine? Oh my god! Look, I, like I think I really love my entrance look, just for obvious reasons. Also oh, iconic, um, so with the gorilla cool. hand, so fantastic, yeah, and so yeah. so dumb. But I, I also I think my finale gown was probably my my favorite, just because it was so just when they said eleganza, it was the first thing that came to my mind when we were brainstorming for Drag Race. I wanted to make this coconut tree deity, mm. like, and so. I think that was probably like my favorite, my my favorite look for sure. Oh no, actually no, my design challenge was my favorite. The Ma- Maui meets Moana because everyone yeah. thought it was like, oh, it was unfinished, but I was like, I made it in forty five minutes because I had an allergic reaction, so that was my favorite. Yeah. I-, I saw that on your Instagram. Did they didn't really <laughs> convey that on the show, did they? That you'd had an allergic reaction. <laughs> I literally was in the hospital. Really? Really? But you can see it, like you, yeah, literally, you can see it. Like the day that I came in, look at the confessional, like in the confessional, you can see I've got like a rash around my face, and that rash stayed for like a whole week, and it what kept going that? further down my back. It went like from here to here, then it was like literally down my neck, and then I think it was episode three. Michelle was like, "Queen, you just need to blend your neck um, makeup." I was like, "This is a rash. <laughs> this is a rash." <laughs> Oh, and this wow. is the rat. Yeah. Yeah, it was so bad. I had, and so they they eventually took me to the emergency room again because they were like, "Oh, you'll be fine. Take an antihistamine. Everything was just making it work." It was because of all of that natural fiber and what they figured out it was it was the hessian, the hessian, the um, right. it was like dirty or something. And so they had to completely clean the whole workroom because it was still in the air. And so, oh man. So oh, yeah, gosh. the the first one was my favorite because from the front I looked fierce, and from the back I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they gave Yuri Guy a whole quarter episode about her eye. Not going to A and E, and they and they and they, they didn't show this. Oh well. Mm. <laughs> oh. Um, yes. Be nice. I agree with you that the uh, the finale look was it was just so opulent and representative of your culture and so good. That was another paper drag artist, wasn't it? Yes, it was the same Pedro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how you sh- you shone a light on because there's so much amazing like design and paper drag artists out there. It was fab how you shone a light on that, and um, it was mm. it was so good. And there was a reveal as as well, wasn't there? When you when you um, performed <laughs> in that, it's fantastic. Yeah, it was a reveal to like a black short. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. Ah, look, come on, we've got. I think that's all the time that we've we've got. Oh, okay. hopefully we can have you back on but um what what's coming up in the future for you just for everyone oh well look i've been doing a lot um a lot of tv work over here yeah. like a couple of lots of acting which has been really fun and so i've got the, obviously the logies coming up um me and hannah and spanky are still we're doing still on the road working together which is amazing in between and i'm going to be doing a couple of movies later in the year so wow. yeah yeah i know so Booked keep an eye out because the car might be a reality soon, so yeah. we'll see. Wow. <laughs> it's like once we're drag queens, like once we're warriors, I think that'd be amazing. Um, yeah, totally. you, I, would you? Are you coming to the UK? Are you? Are you coming to the UK? Are you girls bringing bubs over here anytime soon? Yeah, I think we're going to be there. Well, I'm, me and Hannah are going to be there in August, and I think we're just working on Spanky coming over as well. So August I'm going to be there year. from this. Yeah, this year. So we're going to be there from year. the second week. Yeah, I'll be there for like the second week of August through to the end. Yeah, but just let us know you come. We're doing some stuff. Thing in Manchester, we're doing stuff in That's, Liverpool and Soho. Yeah, and then we're doing, amazing. Yeah, amazing. And then we're going to be out in um, Edinburgh for the French Festival. Amazing. We're going to come see you. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, if I, if I may. I think we're related. I think we're related. We're family. I think we're all. Family. I would love to see you come here. I think I think the world's not ready. 
for um <laughs> for you three. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they're in for you three. And I think that we'll be blessed to have you on an all stars. Because I think that mm. I think your your reach needs to be much wider than it is. Congratulations on the Logie, everyone. Thank you, to vote to vote for Queen Kong. There's gonna be a link in the podcast description, as well as anywhere you can find her on her social medias. Um Queen Kong, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for having me. Soon. Thank you so much. See you soon. Thank you. See you in August. Bye.